According to the National Center for Drug Abuse, over 165 million Americans ages 12 and up are currently abusing drugs or alcohol. Of those 165 million Americans, there is a mom, dad, sister, brother, wife, husband, son, daughter, or grandparent praying and pleading that they would stop. Addiction is a subject most people don't like to talk about and is kept behind closed doors. But the Finding Hope podcast will bring light to the subject and give families that are living in shame, guilt, hopelessness, fear, worry, and anger tools and education to find strength, peace, happiness, joy, and hope. Hello, I'm Amy LaRue, Finding Hope Coordinator for Hope is Alive Ministries and your host for this Finding Hope podcast. At Hope is Alive, our mission is to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. We do this through our intentional next level sober living homes and faith-based support groups for the loved ones of addicts called Finding Hope. Thank you for joining us today. But before we begin, I'm excited to announce two big events coming to Oklahoma City as we celebrate 10 years of Hope is Alive. The first event will be August 8th, Celebration of Hope. This event will feature personal testimonies from graduates and family members of the Hope is Alive programs, live paintings, a custom set from Christian recording artist Ben Fuller, and an inspiring message from Heisman Trophy winner Tim Tebow. You can buy tickets or sponsor a table at HIA10.com. The second event will be August 11th, Night of Hope. This event is a -a one-of-a-kind free concert experience aiming to bring hope and healing to Oklahoma City. If you are hurting, broken, or addicted, you cannot miss this incredible night of worship with Josh Baldwin and special guest speaker Tim Tebow. Get your free electronic tickets today at www.nightofhopeokc.com. On today's episode, I want to welcome back Miss Darcy Stevens. She has joined us for a couple other episodes, and today I asked her to come back as we're going to be just discussing and just having a conversation on some common phrases that people use in our Finding Hope meetings. But Darcy, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. And you just had a birthday. How was your birthday? Yes, it was good. Kind of chill. You know, the older you get, they're not as woohoo, but... Well, that's how I like it. Yeah. Early bedtime, all that. Yeah. (laughs) So what'd you do? Uh, My dad took uh, myself and my family to dinner um, on Friday night. And then Sunday, my immediate family took me to lunch after church. So Well, good. A whole weekend to celebrate you. Yes. That's fun. Um, So glad you had a good birthday. But so Darcy, like I mentioned just a little bit ago, there's a lot of phrases that you know, people might hear at Finding Hope. And I know when I first started coming to Finding Hope, a lot of it was just kind of was scary in a sense. Mm -hmm. Like, can I really do this? What does this really mean? What does it look like? And so, but really the more I've grown in my own recovery, which I continue to say I grow every Mm -hmm. single day, is how important these are. And sometimes how we just need to maybe cling to that when we're having a hard day. And so I just want to ask you, what's one phrase that you've heard at Finding Hope that's really spoke to you and helped you in your recovery? So the one that I have like held on to from the moment I walked in, I think it might've been the first one I went to and you said, you don't get it until you live it Mm. or unless you live it. And 
that's something that I've had to hold on to um, this whole time in my recovery. And even not in like with my husband and my and myself and my individual recovery, because you can't talk to people who don't understand what you're going through. And so sometimes we try, right? right? Like we might try to talk to maybe a family member or a friend, even a church friend. Um, but a lot of times when they don't get it, you know, what happens? What have you experienced in that? There, there can be judgment from them in it because they, they think that your loved one or you yourself um, as a loved one of somebody um, in addiction that um, they just need to get it and they just need to get sober and get over it. And that, as we know, that doesn't just happen. Also, they try so hard to give you the best advice and it's just not what you need. They don't understand what all goes into like the boundaries, the, th- the things that we learn in Finding Hope. They don't understand all of that because they haven't lived it. They don't know what a recovery program looks for our loved ones and definitely what a recovery program looks for ourselves. And something I've also learned is through Finding Hope, I have I have learned that um, addiction is a disease. Yes. And a lot of our friends and family just aren't educated like you and I are. And I probably, I didn't feel this way at first either. Like I thought it was a choice mm-hmm. and it's a choice, a choice, choice. Like he can choose to stop, you know, and there's so much more. We're not going to get into all of that today, mm-hmm. but I feel like sometimes that's where they are too, is they think it's a choice. And so they're trying to give you unsolicited advice mm-hmm. and, um, you know, but I say sometimes too, I'm going to get it wrong. So apologize to the listeners. Like don't let someone lace your shoes if they haven't been in your shoes. Mm, That's good. You know, Mm -hmm. like it's okay. You might just say, Hey, you know, we're going through a hard time right now. Can you please pray for us? Like, and Mm -hmm. I am very careful now. Um, I have a friend going through something, um, in her family system and I haven't been there. And so mm-hmm. I'm very careful now since I'm, you know, since I've gone through this, have my own recovery mm-hmm. of, I'm not there to give her advice. Like she's even asked me some questions mm-hmm. and I've, I do it like a counselor. What do you think? You mm-hmm. know, turn it back right. on them. Like I'm here to support you and pray for you. I'm happy to help with your kids if needed or provide a meal, but I can't tell her what to do right. or what not to do right? because That's I'm good. not living it like she is. Right. And so I do say, I say it all the time and I probably have said it a million times on this podcast. You don't get it unless you live it. So real quick, how does this challenge you though, Darcy? Does this challenge you at all? Or was it just something, I think you said you clung to it the very first meeting. So I'm somebody that's very open Mm -hmm. with uh, my husband and I's story. And I have to go back to that phrase because if I'm talking to somebody like, say a new friend or new parents of friends of, that my kids have. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be very careful of what I share and what I don't share because I don't know if it could be triggering for them. If they have a loved one, I don't know if it could cause judgment. So oh, I have to be true. very mm-hmm. careful and slowly, you know, tell them them some things, but which is really hard because <laughs> again, I like to share and I want to give that hope to other people. I want people to know if there's somebody in their family that struggles um, with addiction that there is hope, but I have to wait. I can't just be like an open book for everybody. And I have to pay attention to who I share things with and who I don't. And I even had to 
old past friends that I let back in have that boundary of I'm going to talk to you about this, but I won't talk to you about these things over here because they don't, they've never lived it. Mm-hmm. And so they don't know what my boundaries are or what boundaries look like or my own recovery. So I've had to cling on to that phrase because of that. That's good. Talking about boundaries and, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, it's just for our loved ones. But no, it's for all different situations, just like you're mentioning, having that boundary. And But then we go back to finding hope in how it is a safe place. Yes. And how you can be open and honest because people there understand mm-hmm. we're all in different places. And our loved ones, some of the, like you and I, our loved ones are spouses. Not all of the loved ones are spouses. Right. Some are grandparents, some are parents, some are siblings, some are children, adult children. of, And so, um, but in a sense, we still have that common bond. Yes. And we still understand, you know, um, the sleepless nights, the phone calls, but the love we still have for them. Yes. And that, you know, I feel like, one of my recent Finding Hope meetings, this mom, she'd been coming to find, actually, she went to Night of Hope two years ago, um, found out about Finding Hope and has been uh, been involved. And she said, you know, I finally have compassion and empathy for my loved one. And that's because of coming to our meetings yeah, and getting around where someone else might not. Right. Like, why don't you just leave him? I'm sure mm-hmm. you've heard that. Oh, Yeah. You know, and I, I get that question too from spouses, like, should I leave him or should I not? I'm like, that's, I can't make that choice right. for you. Um, you know, that decision doesn't have to be made today. Right. So have you seen this phrase, um, impact your husband at all? You clinging to it for your recovery? Yeah, because it put, when I put those boundaries in place, it protects him. Mm-hmm. I'm not out there sharing our struggles or, um, our victories with just anybody. Yeah. And so it protects him from my friends that don't understand it to um, carry those offenses that they're carrying for me that happen in his addiction or if he relapses or anything like that. So it protects him. It protects our home. Um, so that's where I see where it. Yeah. Your whole played. family, your mm-hmm. marriage, all of that. Absolutely. So if you're listening out there, here's one of them again. You don't get it unless you live it. I want you to really write that down. I'm going to say it again. You don't get it unless you live it. And as you write that down, I really want you to think through three questions I'm going to ask. How does this phrase challenge you? How can this phrase impact your loved one if you cling to it and believe it? And how can this phrase help you? in your own recovery. So that's one phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, so I sent out a newsletter and just recently in one of my recent newsletters, I talked about the roller coaster mm-hmm. and I said, don't get on the roller coaster. And I personally, I know you guys like to go to amusement parks. I don't like roller coasters. Um, I recently went to um, Disney with my daughter and I was like, it was just her and I, we were there for a competition and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to ride all these roller coasters with her. Um, but she wasn't a roller coaster <laughs> fan either. So it kind of worked out, but I don't like it because I don't like the unpredictability, mm-hmm. the twists and the turns, the ups and the downs. And more importantly, you talked about your, you had a birthday getting older. <laughs> I'm getting to the, almost close to your um, century. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm not there yet. <laughs> 
Um, my family likes to tell me I'm close though. Um, so I'm getting older. And so it doesn't like when you get off, it's just, it feels like a hangover. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I have that headache. I have that nauseous feeling. I'm like, I just feel after that. I don't get a thrill at all. And so sometimes when we love someone in addiction, it feels like we're on that roller coaster, Mm -hmm. right? We don't know the twist or the turns, you know, there'll be ups, which is exciting. And then all of a sudden there'll be a zoom down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the unpredictability of like a roller coaster or loving someone is just like riding in a roller coaster. And so, um, you know, a lot of times when we love someone, when we're first in it, we talk about codependency all the time. And I think this is a good visual for that is when we're on this roller coaster ride, we're in the car with them like that, the roller coaster car. And, you know, we're in there trying to maybe still protect them. Or like when I went to Disney with my daughter, we, we rode a little, the slinky dog one, that that one was okay. But like, I was like watching her, making sure yes. she was okay the whole time. Cause I knew she was unsure about roller coasters. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do with our loved ones. We're a lot of the times we, are there, we're in that car trying to protect them, watch their next move, see what's coming up. Oh, we're getting ready to go up a hill. So it's going to be fast, you know, going Mm -hmm. down or there's going to be a twist or a turn or all of that. But when we're on that, it's still, we get off of it and we just feel, Mm -hmm. right. And so when we're on this roller coaster, we have to remember we, it's okay for us to get off the roller coaster and stand on solid ground. Right. Mm -hmm. And allow them to ride the roller coaster on their own. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, when we're, when they're, they're able to feel it finally. And we talk about that, like we, our loved ones need to be able to feel their consequences. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to feel their actions. They need to be able to feel the unpredictability like we do, you know, mm-hmm. they need to be able to feel like, I, you know, this analogy is they need to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And when we get off that roller coaster ride with them, hopefully they can get to that point of being able to feel sick and tired, sick and tired and being able to stop seeking that thrill that they're getting Mm -hmm. on that roller coaster. So what does this phrase mean to you? I just went into a long spiel, but what does it mean to you? What get, don't get on the roller coaster. So what it comes to, what comes to mind when I think about that is when we are on that roller coaster ride with them, we're allowing their addiction to control us, Mm. control our behavior, our mood, how we react to things, um, our, all of our, all the things we learn in finding hope to heal from, they're all that we're not healed from are on that roller coaster ride with us. And mm-hmm. when we decide to get off, we are then giving our self control to control ourselves, not our loved one. That's good. The control. That's good. That's good. Um, was this an easy one for you? No. And it's still hard <laughs> at times to be honest. I mean, I mean, honestly, it's, it's because of, you know, when we're in that wanting to control everything, it's because we're in the chaos and mm. that's how we feel safe is us trying to control everything. So why not jump on the ride yeah. and ride it with them? Cause then we can protect them. We can, um, rescue them. We can, always be watching and making sure they're doing things how we think that they, I mean, even with my husband's recovery, I want to get on that ride yeah. to make sure he's doing all the things that he's supposed to be. But that just, again, makes me, um, go into that crazy cycle mm-hmm. and I need to just stay off of it. Let him ride whatever ride he's on and let him do it. And then me focus on what I need to focus. So how do you do that? 
by going to meetings, uh-huh. by, um, I journal a lot. I know I've said that on other podcasts that I journal a lot. Um, I really release my wanting to control him and his recovery. And, um, yeah, it's that bit, main one is releasing my control of wanting to, um, be in control of his recovery and surrender him daily. Yeah. Or throughout that, when you feel like that control is sneaking back up, giving him back to God, yes. right? Like, yeah. okay, Lord, like, yeah, take him, yeah. <laughs> guide him, and direct sometime him. sometimes that's minute by minute, mm-hmm. hour by hour, day by day. It just depends on the day. It depends on his mood, mood. Mm-hmm. Like as long as things are going, and I I need to do it daily, no matter what. When things are great, or when things are t- um, tense, always remember to surrender him daily to the Lord. Yeah. So, um, have you seen when you got off that car with your husband? What happened? I focused on myself and my recovery, and he even says when I started focusing on me, I saw where I like what things I was doing wrong. Not that I had anything to do with his his addiction or anything like that, just the areas that I was needing to let go of that I needed to work on for myself. So when I got off, I was able to focus on me and my healing and my journey of recovery. That's good. That's good. And, you know, a lot of times becoming a better friend, a better yes. mom, oh, yeah, a better person, a better daughter, mom. all of that, you know. And I know you, you guys have kids too and just them seeing, like, my kids now are like, oh, you're going to meet, like, it's, it's just natural, like, right. that we talk about it, and it's so good, because I feel like there's still that stigma, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, talking about them seeing, investing in yourself, and doing all of that, how important that is going to be for yes. your kiddos someday. Yes. Okay, I think we have time for maybe one more, so we're going to talk okay. through one more. It's kind of a heavy one, but um, it says, shame grows in the dark, but when it's brought in the light, it loses its power. Let me say that one more time. Shame grows in the dark, but when it's brought in the light, it loses its power. That's so good and so heavy. At the same it time. is. And so let's kind of break it down. Let's yeah. do the first part. Shame grows in the dark. So what does that mean to you? So what that means to me is for like a long time, you don't talk about it. You don't talk about the disease. You don't talk about mm-hmm. what's going on in the family. And so... Nobody sees it. Nobody talks about it. So it's in the dark, quote unquote, in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. And it just keeps getting bigger mm-hmm. and bigger. You know, I know like I'm a not a green thumb. I kill plants. <laughs> but like if you put a plant in legit, like in the dark, it won't yeah. grow. It dies. Right? right. And that's almost what the shame does the opposite, though. It's just going to grow and grow and become sicker and make yeah. you become sicker and all that. And, you know, um, it's almost, I, I think I was at a meeting. I can't remember. I don't know where I was. It was talking about like how, when we honestly feel shame, well, I do, I can't speak for you, um, Darcy, but with my husband's addiction, mm-hmm. right? I felt that shame. Like, what did I do as a wife? Mm-hmm. All that, you know, what are other people, how are they going to judge him? What yeah. are our friends? What are our church people? What are um, co-workers? All those. And that's that shame, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, it just continues to build. And then you start even like making up excuses. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about our loved ones, how they get twisted in their excuses and it's sometimes hard for them to remember 
you know, what, whose excuse, but we do the same thing, you know, in the dark and, you know, but that's where the enemy wants us. He wants us, he wants us to be in there. He wants that to thrive. He doesn't want us because that's where we're so sick, right? We're, you know, we're just can't get out the door. We're our depression, our anxiety just and continues we feel alone. Yeah. And that's where the enemy wants us to. He wants us to feel like we're the only one struggling in this. Nobody's going to get it. So just keep hiding it. Yeah. Okay. So shame grows in the dark. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to get worse as right. you keep that door closed. Right. Mm-hmm. If you keep staying away from meetings, if you keep, you know, all those things, but when it's brought in light, it loses its power. Yeah. Yeah. So the bringing it to the light means it's almost like bringing it to God Mm -hmm. and letting him guide you through the healing and like repenting because, you know, we have to bring things to God um, and repentance. So when you bring it to the light, you're allowing mainly your individual fear um, family that's really close to you see it and know that it's there. Mm -hmm. And then you're able to ask for the help that you need. And when you do, then that's when the healing comes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think it's when you can start to even talk about it, Mm -hmm. you know, we have to go back though to, you don't get unless you live it. So talk to it with, you know, the right people, but Mm -hmm. that's what finding hope, you know, they get it and you can have a safe place to talk about it and bring it in that it's starting to lose the power that addiction was holding you down with, Oh yeah, you know, being yeah. able to bring that, you know, taking it to God and starting to talk. And I don't, and I, you don't go to the mountaintop and just start everybody, your waitress. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know, obviously it's through discernment and as God leads you to talk about it, mm-hmm. but letting a safe person know, I think yes. that's where that healing. And, um, I think that's what my friend's doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not addiction or anything, but th- what her family's going through, I think she has been holding on to this for so long that she just needs to let it out. Yeah. And, um, but again, it's not my job to right. fix her or anything. Right. And so, um, we can either stay in that shame and continue to let it grow in the dark and just be in that state of depression or sadness, hopelessness. Mm-hmm. But when we start to take that step into that meeting that we don't want to go to mm-hmm. or, you know, get dressed that day or go do something for ourselves and start to bring it to the light, giving it to God, talking to him about it, talking to those, going to those meetings and talking to people it's going to start to lose the power and the yes. enemy is going to lose his power yeah. and God can do what only God can do yeah. in that. Yeah. That's so good. So, um, you know, how has this, you know, impacted, you know, your husband or your family or any of that? So I'm easy to, if something happens or say, you know, the times that he has relapsed, I want to recluse. I want to Mm. like isolate. I don't want to talk to anybody, but I know when I talk to the right people that they're going to point us myself and my husband in the right direction and point us back to God's truth. Mm. And that's why it's so important to get around the right people, to be a part of a finding hope group because they will point you in the right direction and guide you um, on your recovery and your healing through it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just last night with, I know I keep bringing up my friend, but just thinking 
of some, like everyone is going through something. Oh yeah. You know, we don't know. Um, and this is a church friend and all of that. And so it's like, it's, there's so much hurt in our churches Mm -hmm. and that's where we can get that healing is in those groups and asking for prayer. They don't need to know necessarily what you're going through. Just asking for that prayer and be able to say, Hey, my family's not doing well. Can you just be praying? And, you know, having that boundary saying, I don't feel like talking about it right Mm now, but my family needs prayer and just leave it at that. Um, and so I want to go through all three phrases again, and then make sure our listeners are writing them down. And then the three questions I want them to answer. And so that's going to be my challenge for you guys. You know, I like to end with a challenge. So my challenge is for you to write these down and then answer these three questions. And so the first one we said was, you don't get it unless you live it. The second one is don't get on the roller coaster ride. The third one was shame grows in the dark, but when it's brought in the light, it loses its power. So this next week, maybe it's going to be a couple weeks when you really process it. Um, Darcy talked about journaling is really sit down and journal and make the time in your day to do that. If you don't set it in your schedule, you're going to say you don't have the time. So with those phrases, answer these. What does this phrase, how does this phrase challenge you? How can this impact your loved one if you cling to it and believe it? And how can this phrase help you in your own recovery? And if you're struggling with any of those, if you're like, Amy, like, I just don't, I can't, I can't agree. I, this is one's hard. I'm struggling. Reach out, go on to, you can email me, Amy, A-M-Y at hopeisalive.net. And I'd be happy to set up a, you know, time to talk through with this with you. Go to findinghope.today and get to a meeting. It's okay to, you're learning and growing through this. And so I don't expect you to right now, like, okay, I'm going to do all these things. I want you to process and think through it and how it relates to you and your specific um, situation in your own recovery. Like I say, my boundaries are different than Darcy's. Darcy's are different than mine. And so how does this relate? We kind of talked about our own, but I want you to think through your own. So thank you guys. Thank you, Darcy, for joining me again this week. Um, It's always, I always enjoy having you on here. Um, And you guys can learn more about Finding Hope um, at findinghope.today. And also don't forget to register for our two big um, Hope is Alive events, August 8th, Celebration of Hope and August. August 11th, Night of Hope. And Night of Hope is my favorite Mm -hmm. Darcy um, event that we do. But before you go, we would love for you to give us a five-star review, share this on social media, and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss our next hope-filled episode. Thanks again for joining me, Amy LaRue, and special guest Darcy Stevens in this episode of Finding Hope. And remember, you are not alone. It's not your fault. There is hope. This episode of the Finding Hope podcast was brought to you by Hope is Alive Ministries. To learn more about Hope is Alive, visit our website at hopeisalive.net. If you are in need of immediate assistance, don't wait. Call us now at 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. That's 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. 
find out more about Finding Hope and how you can get involved in a meeting close to you, visit findinghope.today. 